welcome to the Artist Appeals. This is Erin Sparler and I'm your host. In the Artist Appeals, we interview artists, crafters, photographers, and business professionals about the business of art. I hope you'll join us and enjoy the show. Hey, can I make you a quick offer? I'll make it really fast if that's okay. I have a new online class. I've been building this class for weeks, months, years actually. You know, I was a college professor for 12 plus years and now I've been interviewing experts about the business of art in this podcast. I've taken everything I've learned, all the research, all the time, all the money I've spent, and I've rolled it all into a new online class just for you guys. I wanna help artists have more success. I want to help you make your artwork appeal. So for a limited time, for people who are joining the Artist Appeals online class as founding members, I'm offering a discount of 80%. Plus, I'm throwing in five bonuses to make you successful. So I thought to myself, what else do they need to be successful? They need this course. They need to learn how to photograph their artwork. They need to learn how to color correct it, how to make repeating patterns, how to get into the flow state faster. So those are the bonuses that I can think of off the top of my head. Then the whole course, the whole course of helping you find your voice and taking you all the way from finding your artistic voice all the way through creating a product, creating pricing ladders, pricing for wholesale and retail, educating your audience with stories, you know, amplifying through automation, licensing all the way to success. So I hope you'll join me at The Artist Appeals, the new online course to help you make your artwork appeal. So if you've got something you want to record, audio-wise, if you've got a TV show, if you've got a documentary, if you've got anything that needs audio, this is the man. He is an audio recording expert. He has traveled the world recording audio for some of the funniest, most interesting reality shows out there. In fact, the last nine seasons, he's worked on over 100 episodes of Barnwood Builders. He's still working on it. He's done 90 Day Fiance. He's worked on The Deadliest Catch. He's worked on the American Diner Revival. He's worked on Farm Kings, um, Garbage Moguls. He's worked for the National Hockey League. He's worked for Rite Aid and Goodwill. All these big names, all of these TV programs want this guy because he's high energy. He's really funny. And the stories he tells about traveling the world, recording audio, the tidbits that he's gotten to hear that never make it on air, they're hilarious. If you get a chance to sit down with this guy, so good. So much advice. He's the owner of Enot's Media Services, and he's in high demand, but we've got him here for you today offering us audio advice. And as an extra little bonus, you can actually see video where he shows us the correct way to wrap a wire so that it doesn't get tangled, it unrolls in an instant, and you're not ruining the wires inside of it. Please help me introduce and please help me welcome Jeremy Stone. So thanks for coming, Jeremy. Thanks for having me. Today we are with Jeremy Stone. Can I call you an audio artist? Um, sure. What's your official title? Yeah, uh, a production sound mixer or audio recordist, depending on what, uh, what's happening. 
Well, give us a little background. I, I'd love for you to introduce yourself, but let's start with a little background of what's your backstory? What were you doing before you became an audio artist? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I took a, a, a lot of different paths uh, to get to where I'm at and, you know, wasn't always the direct route, but uh, it was certainly fun. You know, out of high school, I, I went straight into construction. I was working uh, some side jobs with people and was like, wow, I can work and make money and, you know, build something with your hands. And, you know, I was always sort of into that, probably in, more into the money. But yeah, you know, I was more into just getting, working and getting paid. It wasn't like a, a corporate job or anything like that. But yeah, I did, uh, I did a few years of construction and learned everything from, you know, top to bottom, how to do almost anything. And, you know, my, my grandparents, they were, were woodworkers and they built, you know, things oh. and had wood shops. And so they were, you know, always had this stuff, you know, and crafty. Uh, and I don't know if I just fell into it from there, but um, it was just neat when you go home and you were like, I was at work all day and we built this thing and I'm home. You know, it wasn't like <laughs> I went to work all day and flipped burgers or, you know, I went and, and sold computer parts. It was like, man, like we made this thing. Like yeah. there it is. Like that's what we did today. You know, it was, it was nice to look back and then of course get paid. A sort of sense of accomplishment, I imagine. Right, right. Yeah. Well, very cool. And what made you choose to go the audio route? Like when I first met you, you were in a video. Yeah. So where did that transition happen? Well, or maybe we should back up and just talk real quick about how did we meet? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you were <laughs> my professor at, uh, at Central Pennsylvania College. Well, you know, I think you were my first class. I was like oh, fresh yes. out of grad school. Yes. I think I was 25 or something. Yeah, yeah. So that was a real trial by fire for me. <laughs> yeah. And it, it, was, it was so much fun, you know, learning everything and, and just having a blast being there. Oh, it was fun. I feel like we were there at like a, a real, I don't know, like a, a, the, pivotal a pivotal moment at the college. And it was so nice to be, you know, you didn't realize it when it was happening, but like you were there and things were changing for the better. And um, I think. Most institutions are what you make out of them. And, you know, some people can go to, to any school and not, have a, not be successful. I, you know, I don't think so, anyone, I don't like when people tie the school to success or anything like that. But yeah, you school doesn't be, define you. Right. You have to be, have this motivation. But yeah, we met there and um, I got there because I was working in construction and I got injured skateboarding on a, on a Sunday <laughs> afternoon and didn't really think much of it. I was like, you know, maybe, uh, I don't know, 19 or 20. And, crashed my skateboard and I was working in construction. Everything was fine. And next thing I know, I was like laid up for a week in the hospital with a broken leg. And I'm like, really? This is insane for skateboarding? Like, and then, you know, one thing led to another of, you know, not being able to work and losing this, the ability to walk and then learning to walk. And of oh. course, it was this whole process. And, um, you know, in the meantime, of course, lost my job and needed oh, to, had a lot of time like to, and lost your right, job. had a lot of time to think about what I should be doing and found Central Pennsylvania College. And it, it was just a great fit. And, you know, I knew you had one shot, and I thought, I think I can make this work. And that's what I did. Yeah, and that time the program was uh, Multimedia and Internet Production, I believe the title of the program was. Right, right, right. Yeah, it was really... Which wasn't exactly what I, you know, like when I went to the, did the tour and I saw the things, it was like, I thought, like, okay, I, I see this thing's on the cusp. Like, uh, to make video back then, it was very expensive. Like, the equipment was so expensive. I mean, yeah. you didn't, no one had cameras, oh, you know. I like those big cameras. There was no digital video. I mean, it was like right when it was coming out. I mean, if you had a camera that was a digital video camera, it was, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars. And, you know, yeah. even the cheapest one was probably 10 grand, which, you know, is yeah. not a lot of money in the sense of things. But back then it was super expensive. And um, to edit, you know, forget about even editing. Like, what is this? You know, there was no 
oh, the final I cut had just come of out. Video was like a gig. Yeah, so so I learned a lot there, and 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 learned that I, that I mean I love photography and I love doing all that kind of stuff. So that's why I, I went for the video and, and love. I still love like setting up shots and framing. But I mean, I graduated there and continued to go. You know, I graduated and and was working shooting you know television shows and and traveling and it was great but you got so beat down that you were just like um I mean I did I mean I felt like I was just so beat down like whenever I had the camera and I would do a project that I love like a passion project it was so much fun and you had all this creative control but like when you were doing television they were like well we want this close up medium and wide we want this pan we want this thing and you were like yeah but what if I do this I'm like nah, we don't we don't really like that shot and you're like oh, okay well what about that no nah, we don't you know we just we shoot it like this, then we do this, then you do this, and you go home. So Jeremy, what makes good audio for you? What are you looking for in good audio and a good track? Well, it, in my world, there's, you know, shows I do, I could have eight to ten people at any time, mic'd up, doing some activity. Construction equipment inside cars and chainsaws and loud noises. And when you see people on TV in these kind of shows, is you never want to see microphones. So if you hear great audio... They're mic'd up. Like, you know, I don't care what they're trying to pass it to show off. If it's great sound, that means there's a microphone on their body somewhere recording this great sound. And the trick is to hide this mic that no one wants to see the mic. They don't want to see a bump on their shirt. They don't want to point it out. You know what I mean? Like, it, it has to be hidden. And most people actually don't even notice when it's a bad mic job anyways. But, of course, me, I can only pick it out on TV where it's at. But, <laughs> but uh, well, we, we, we still do swing a boom with a microphone on a pole over people's heads on certain things that you can't slow down or that you need it for. There, there's instances. But 90% of the time, you, you put a wireless lavalier on someone. And so you just want to have, number one, it be hidden. And number two, sound good and not scratchy on clothing or any kind of noise that it'd be making on the microphone. And then you got to have a great level. You know, it's got to be nice, fat signal that you want to get everything that they're, they're, they're talking. So you don't, you know, if somebody's talking really low, you have to make that signal louder at the input part you know if somebody's a loud talker you want that signal especially at the microphone level to be lower because you can only add so much volume before you get distortion and their signal to noise ratio and all this other technical things but basically it's a, a loud enough signal that you clear and not any scratchiness or something like yeah that. yeah so what is your company name and how do you promote your company and how do you kind of look at, you're an audio technician, but tell us a little bit about how you frame this. Yeah, my company is Enots Media and I provide location sound services to television and, and film productions. And I have a website and I do LinkedIn, but a lot of it is word of mouth because you talk to anybody and they'll tell you that sound is so important. and you can tell a good production when they know this. Like you can tell directors that know good sound and they know to spend a lot of money on good sound because without it, the picture is terrible. So once you get in with the group and people see that, man, this guy's great. He shows up on time, has all the great gear and his sound, was, the files are awesome. You know what I mean? Like what's not to love about this guy? Because some people will have the great gear and deliver great audio, but they are so difficult to work with. Mm. So you just sort of have to go with the flow and be flexible. And um, you can tell people whenever you talk to people, and it's about reading people a lot of it, when people call you and, and you, know, you don't know these people at all, and you're trying to feel them out 
in a nice way that you, mm -hmm. they just called you, but they want to give you a very large sum of money. But you're like, okay, do I want to do this job? Like, how hard is this job? How how much planning do they have? You know, how much? You know, what do they know? What do they have? Mm -hmm. You know, uh, yeah, your criteria uh, right, for selecting right. jobs. If they don't know a lot of things, and if they don't, if, if they don't have great answers to your questions, you're like, mm, I'm gonna, I'm good. You know, I don't, I don't want to do this. But a lot of it, I don't do a lot of promotion. You know, it's a lot of it is is word of mouth. So, what is your website? The website's enutsmedia.com. Can you spell that? That's Echo November Oscar Tango Sierra Media.com. Okay. Um, you know, I, I put some updates about gear on there and about what I have, and there's, uh, you know, photos. I don't do a whole lot of social media. I just don't have time. I, I, I think a lot of people will say that. It's an easy excuse, but, you know, don't like this, you know, look at me culture, you know, mm. and people are like, oh, I bet you'd have a great Instagram, all this. Stuff. I'm like, yeah, but I don't want to be that guy. Like, look at me traveling here at this place. Look at over here. I'm with this guy. I'm on a yacht drinking, you know, champagne. It's like, <laughs> no, I mean, that's it's what I, cliche. That's, right. And that's what I do. And like, so like, I know, like, if you I did that, on yachts drink champagne. Sure, <laughs> I have done that. And it's like, I don't want to be on this internet like that. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, I, I hear you. I have so many stories that I, I always like to tell people, and that's one thing I do enjoy is, is telling stories because, you know, you can't take those away, and, like, you yeah. know, people, like, hear these stories, and, like, some of my stories are so legendary, and then people hear them, and they're like, oh, my God, I can't believe I heard this story from somebody else. It was like, there's so many people that are like, yeah, I was there. I totally saw the, all that happen. Like, you're not going to believe Because <laughs> people, like, sometimes they're a little outlandish, and you're, the guy would be like, I was there, and they're like, geez, that guy doesn't, he, that's. No, I totally believe it. Like, that happened. So you're kind of subtle. You like to be subtle and humble. Right. Tell, tell us a great story. Right. What's your best story? Give right. us one. Well, I guess I, I'll tell this story. This is, um, you know, we, I did a, a golf series, and one of the first people on the show was called The Haney Project, and uh, it was about uh, Hank Haney. who was a golf pro, and he is, uh, was Tiger Woods' swing coach. So, you know, I don't know anything about sports. Zero. Okay, but, you know, I obviously know what golf is. And so I, I, I don't know sports people and, you know, lingo and terms, but whatever. So we're going to go golf and we're going to meet a celebrity. And then Hank Haney will teach this celebrity to play a better game of golf. Because you know, when you're rich, you play golf. I don't know. I, I, a lot of people <laughs> rich play golf. I don't know if they travel. I these fear it's a bizarre. networking thing. Right. They, people say it's a networking. I think people say it's a networking thing to get more people to play golf because I've been on the golf course and there's no networking. They're playing and they're drinking and. <laughs> Great. Like, so I don't... it's a drinking sport. Right, right. So anyways, uh, the first guy we're going to do is Charles Barkley. And I mean, I knew who Charles Barkley <laughs> was. If you ask me what team he played on, I have no idea. But I know he's a basketball player, and that's about all I know. Okay, so I'm not oblivious. But this guy was huge, super tall. And we meet him, I think maybe the first time might have been in, in like Dallas. That's where uh, Hank had his, uh, his studio or whatever. So we meet uh, Charles, a super nice guy, funny, oh my gosh, hilarious, laughing and carrying on. Me and him are going back and forth as, you know, one-liners and, and <laughs> slinging jokes and you know, off, off camera. It's so much fun. And so then he wraps up and they're like, all right, we're going back to the hotel. They're like, we're going to go out to dinner with Charles. I'm like, oh, great. This will be fun. So we meet up with Charles like, you know, uh, eight or nine and we go to like some steakhouse. And, you know, it was not that memorable, but we eat and like, you know, people are coming over and like oh my gosh Charles I love you guys take a picture yeah 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 you know they were being really nice and respectful and it was fun you know and here we are you know a bunch of dudes with, with Charles I mean he had no entourage it was just Charles and like three or four other dudes you know what I mean 
Yeah. And, you know, that was us. We were the dudes. And uh, the crew, the, crew, the camera right, crew the camera crew, and exactly. the audio crew. Exactly. Yeah. And um, and so we're wrapping up dinner and it's like, you know, 1130, 12. And uh, he looks around, and he looks over at us and he goes, so you pussies coming out with me tonight or what? And we were like, oh, <laughs> oh, OK. Yes. Yes. Mr. Barkley, we'll be out. He's like, I want you to meet me at the PCL at one o'clock. Like one o'clock, I'm trying to get to bed. This guy's <laughs> meeting at one o'clock, one like one a.m. You know, so we hang out for a little bit, and and we meet him, and we meet him at this club, and it is everything you could imagine. I mean, it is craziness. But like, we walk up to the door, like straight up, like in a movie, and it's like, you know, <laughs> and there's like huge line of people, and then us dudes waiting in line, and we get up to the front, you know, the guy's got the headset on, he's shaking his head like, uh-uh, no way, these guys, not in this club, ever, <laughs> nope, and we're like, uh, we're here with Mr. Barkley? And they were like, no, no, shut it down, shut it down, <laughs> and you hear the walkie-talkie, you know, he's on his little headset, you know, next thing he's like, shaking his head, he's like, get in here, and he like, shoves us inside this place, and we go inside, and it is madness, I mean, it's mad. I mean, you have this VIP section in the corner of this club, you know, the velvet rope and like all the drinks and all these girls. I mean, it was nuts. I mean, and wow. we were out till maybe, you know, five in the morning and, and that happened every night. We were working with him for like oh. nine months, like every, no matter what city we were in, are we going out tonight or what? And you were like, oh my God. Oh, wow. <laughs> I am so tired. I'm so tired. All right. How yeah. do you say no to yeah. Charles Barkley? Yeah, I thought my liver right? should have got like an extra paycheck, but uh, <laughs> yeah, it was fun. No doubt. Well, that's really cool. Yeah, and then that show, so then we, we did, um, we started with Charles Barkley, and then we went from we had Charles Barkley, we did Ray Romano, we did Rush Limbaugh, we did, I think then we did like a, a group show, and we did Adam Levine, Meryl Batali, Angie Evan Hart. Sugar Ray Leonard, that was one big group of people for this show. And then the last season, I think it was season five, we did Michael Phelps. And so... That is quite... Yeah, so each each group, we were with them, you know, nine months. You know, it's off and on. You're you're with them, you know, a couple days a month, you know, and that's mm -hmm. it. And then the next month, you know, two days a month, you know. And the next month, you might be a week in Cabo or something with them, you know. Like, they stretch it out. You know, you got to fit into these celebrity schedules and whenever they can. And Right. So when I say nine months, it's not like I'm working... So you guys kind of batch process these shows, like you do them as as much as you can here and then there, well, and then they they no, you do one and and that's it. So okay. you, everything is just you can so only do like so much. It's not like the um the design one where you were kind of batching. Right, it. you couldn't because this is different. Yeah, they, you could only do one at a time. Yeah, and that only worked in the process shows when you're building something or painting something because it takes forever. Like you know. It takes forever to remodel stuff. Everyone will know, like, all these remodel shows. I've worked on so many. It's like, like you can have as many hands as you want, but, like, it takes time for yeah. paint to dry or for drywall mud to dry or to concrete to finish or to, you know, to lay grass. Like, it just, like, yeah. I can't go any faster. Like, I don't know what you want me to do. Make a better product. Like, it, this is how long this, this process takes to do this thing. I remember I did a, a, a rebuild, like, a car kind of show, and the company was real new. And uh, it was like, the guy's like, all right, what are we going to do today? And the guy's like, well, I'm going to take this door off and I'm going to sand it down and I'm going to paint it all. I'm going to sand that, you know, whatever the thing out. And I'm going to smooth it over into the Bondo and smooth it down and paint it. It's going to have like this cherry apple gloss. And it's going to be amazing. And then I'm going to remount the door and put the handle and the hinge and the thing. Awesome, man. Now, 
that's a lot to get done, man. He's like, oh, it's not getting all done today. Like, that's like two, three months. Like, he's like, that's it. Today? Oh, today I'm just going to take the door off. It's like, oh, we're going to all day get the door. <laughs> the door going to come off and then you're going to do. No, you know what I mean? It's going to take a while. It's like, and I mean, it just, it takes, these things take a long time. And like, right. it's hilarious when you see uh, people get underestimated on, on time on things. Yeah, well, I think TV really compresses that time a lot. Yes, yes, yeah. So how do you educate your audience as to the benefits of your audio work and the the quality needed? I mean, you, you were talking earlier about how some directors and some people know. Yeah. And that the audio drives the video. Well, you know, and I just, you know, in my world, there's not like, like if you're a, a director of photography, you have what's called a reel. And people want to see your work, you know, show me what yeah. you've done. It's like with sound, like, like if anybody asks for like a sound reel, I'm always like, yeah, no, that's not a thing. Like there's no sound <laughs> reels. Like here is what I've done. And if you want to, like, these are references, call these people. Like they're going to be like, oh my God. Yeah. Is he available? You should get him right now. Hey, because he's not going to be available when you call him back, you know? And that's the big thing. I think it's sort of, I let my work sort of stand for itself and people realize that. And, uh, I think, I mean, at least I hope that if they do dig, that's what people say are, are like, you know, yeah, you need to hire this guy. And, yeah. And, and I yeah, guess you got to get Jeremy. I, I guess that's what it works. But, uh, you know, people are always excited when they're like, oh, we're so excited. We got Jeremy on the shoe because, man, he's never available. He's never available. And I always feel so bad turning down work. But then at the same moment, it's like, well, it's great to be busy, you know, yeah. and working. Yeah. Well, you know. In the appeal system, I try and classify things as art and then product. I try to create a system, presentation and educate, and then automate and amplify. So kind of going along with that, how do you, we're talking about communicating with your audience and you do a lot of word of mouth networking, but you can't really amplify in, in a service business. How do you fit more in or do you just increase your prices? Like, how do you deal with that? Yeah, you know, I mean, I make the, prices up, you know, whatever I want to spend. And so it's kind of nice being the, the owner operator of, you know, the business where you're like, you know what, do I want to work for that much money? Like, all right, sure. You're like, you know, like, here's, here's what I can do. You know, like, oh, we don't have any money. And you, and you, you own this equipment and this is your time. And so you can make those decisions of, do I want to do this, you know, for that little amount of money or like at the same token, if you overextend your reach and you're like, well, this is, you know, I've reached too high when people are like, well, we do, we don't have that much money. Like we, like if it's, you know, some budgets are too low that they can't afford you and you got to sort of work with them. And people feel like see that value as well, where they're like, oh, wow, man, that guy really worked. I'm glad he helped us out on this little project. And then they, they get you. So a lot of like uh, pilots or people call them sizzles where they, you know, they'll make a, like a three minute video to get a show going. And they might be like, hey, we don't really have a lot of budget, but, and you're like, I'm bringing $70,000, $80,000 for equipment and I'm not making any money. But in the long run, they're your buddies, they're your friends, you know these people, you work with people for years. And you're like, look, here's what we can do. You spend me this money, you know, we'll go some awesome location, we're gonna eat amazing food, we're gonna travel, and I'll record this audio and I'll get paid. You know, not nearly as much as I'm supposed to get paid, but like, I know I'm getting paid. And then, of course, goal is that the show goes forward and of course you're the first person that they want to call because you, you made that happen it. you know yeah and you already yeah. worked on it but you also like man the budget was tight and you you're working you know you're all working on a, in a goal to get this product you know 
Yeah, so, so sometimes you evaluate the actual project and, and the people on it and maybe right. take a little less to get in there at the right. beginning. And, and you that know, kinda... right. And people are like, oh, well, you're giving stuff away. But it's like, you know, these are my friends. You know, I know these people for years. It's not like somebody calls me up out of the blue and is like, hey, man, I got no money. I got this great project. Well, you don't want to do this project, man. This is a great job. <laughs> and you're like, no, I don't know this slime ball. Like, you know, it's tough, but like you learn over the years how to like read people. You know, and you mm -hmm. might not have worked for two months and then Sleazeball calls up and he wants you all this stuff for all this money. And you're like, oh, my God, I really well, I have not worked in a very long time. And I maybe I should take this money. But you're like, you're always better off saying, no, like, this is the number that I need to get. And if I'm not, I'm better off not working. You know what I mean? Like, I can do something else, you know. Right. But, yeah, so basically I think you just got to show your value by all working together on, on a project. Yeah. Do you use any contracts? Do you have any terminology? that you think the audience should really know? And are there any standard contracts that are really important in I mean, your field? I mean, you know, you sign, you know, NDAs and you sign deal memos, you know, and, you know, you could read these forever, you know, with all this fine print and all this stuff. And it's, it's hard, you know, I mean, I read the stuff and I'm like, well, that doesn't sound good. But you're like, in the end, like, you know, like, here's, here's the amount they're going to pay you, obviously, there it is. And that's pretty much all you're looking at is, is the amount they're going to pay you and the kids <laughs> fee and all the stuff. Because everything else is like, well, I hope I never have to go to a lawyer because this doesn't look good at all. But like everybody has like this same agreement. Like you read these deal memos and you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, right to terminate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, of course, I'm not going to do any of this stuff you tell me. Not. Of course, no, I'm not going to be on social media taking pictures. Like, like you read these things and you're like, yeah, of course not. Like, So the social no. media is in the contracts that uh, you can't do. A lot of times it is because you're telling secrets before the show's over. You know, like you can't uh, be like, hey, this is what the room looked like. <laughs> oh, well, I'm not watching that show. I know the room's pink. They talked about it taking a pink the whole time. They said they weren't going to do it. It's pink. And, you know, <laughs> so like, you know. Spoilers. You, yeah, no spoilers. Right. So, and people are like, oh, you can post on an app. And if it's a very general social media thing, maybe. But like, that's the thing. Like, I don't even like. To like delve into that world because then you're that guy who posts on social media and got fired from this great job because you oh. did this thing and you never know and then you're like oh i gotta call hey man can i post this silly picture of me posing with the oh i can't okay good. no i don't want to be that at all like just forget about it i'm not gonna do any of this right and i'm not saying like all social media has to be about work but like some things that i know like after the fact i'll post photos like on my website and that's about as far as i like to go like if somebody's at my website then i'm like okay great here's the photos of me in all these cool places. But like, I'm not trying to be like, look at me, look at me, look at me. You know, like I like to put on my website, recent work lists, things that I've done. People see that right away and they're like, oh, wow, this is great. And then it's like, oh, hey, here's photos. Oh, wow. No, he really was out in Alaska. Look, there it is. That's, 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 oh, wow. There you are in, you know, Jamaica. Great. That's definitely, you know, like uh, sort of connect the dot sort of thing. But right. Yeah. You got to, the contracts are, are difficult, you know, but you probably don't... should pay more but attention. But in my world, <laughs> the biggest thing is just making sure I'm getting paid, you know, and how many, how many days that they're going to take to pay you and all that stuff. So, mm. um, oh, yeah, that's important. How long? Yeah, yeah, because we get paid. It, it, it just varies, but it's usually, you know, 30 days is sort of a standard. You know, you're waiting 30 days to get paid. Do they call it net 30? Net 30, right, mm -hmm. yeah. And, but sometimes it's two weeks. You know, I have clients who pay me that day, you know, that the next day, here's your check, you know, and, and that's great. You never want to wait for money, but it's nice that you, uh, clients pay much faster. Right. Do they pay travel? Yep, yep. You get paid for travel. You get paid, you get paid all the time. I mean, if you're at, you're working, if you're there, you're getting paid. You're getting per diem, you're getting travel, you're getting, you know, 
you're getting paid. And what is per diem? Per diem is like a, a, a daily amount of money for, it's not necessarily just for food, but for things that you would need because you're not home. Okay. Some people just think it's for food, but I, I, I'm pretty sure it's not. I think it's, you know, it's a per diem, a per day amount of money. An allowance. An allowance, right. And it varies from job to job, and there's um, specific rates for different cities that you're in. Oh. Um, yeah, so like you could be in like some bumble town, and like the per diem rate is like $18, and you're like, $18? And then you go there, and you're like, oh, wow, there's really nothing here at all to spend my $18 a day on. Now, that's stupidly low, but. But then you go someplace and it's like $110 a day. And you're like, wow, $100, I'm getting $110 a day, do nothing. But like, oh, yeah, my dinner is you know, $70 every night. Like, I cannot seem to get a dinner for less than $70, you know. Right. Um, and then sometimes it, it works where you can just say you'll take a flat rate. Like if we're traveling, 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 like lots of cities, sometimes it's better to say, you know what? I'd like just this, you know what? Just give me $50 every day, no matter what city we're in. And a lot of times it works out better because it's a weird, like if you look it up, whatever the federal, there's, there's, there's rates and they're not good if you're in crappy towns, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Crappy counties. I don't, I'm not exactly sure how the, how, it, how the, the lines work, but I do know that there's a set fee, but a lot of times it is better to just take a, a flat number and, and it all works out. Very cool. So what does success look like for you? What do you feel your biggest accomplishment you've had so far is or? Or what are you most proud of? Yeah, it's a tough question because, like, I don't really think of, of the work that I do in any kind of, like, way of, like, notoriety or, or you know, success even. I just, I, I look at the places I've been and seen all these different cultures and dealing with everybody. But to me, like, everybody is a regular person. And to me, success is just, like, being able to do this job and have this house and this family and like it just works yeah. you know because you can have this great job and you can make a lot of money but if it doesn't work it's not successful you know like you're mm -hmm. not it's not working then you know there'll be days that I travel you know 45 days in a row and you're not home for 45 days and that's a lot of time to be away yeah you know, with a with a young family but then you'll be off for 60 days or something you know what I mean like you're home for that amount of time and you know, most people have, you know, a lot of these nine to five jobs where they're just, you know, they're working your home, you're working your home, you're working your home, you're off on the weekends. And, you know, when you're off any day of the week, like you're off every day, it's like, wow, like there's so much things to be done instead of whenever things are busier, you know, say on the weekends or something like that. So you feel it kind of balances out this, the travel and then the time off. You yeah. feel like that's... Yeah. Worth it. it. It I think so. I mean, I average about seven to ten days a month that I'm working or out of town and um a lot of times even when I'm working locally, it's just it's an all day affair. I mean it's just like, you know, you leave in the morning, you're home at night. I mean, that's a you know, you don't really yeah. it's not like I'm nine to five. So I think it I think it does balance out. It's you're off, you're home and you're just there the whole time. You're not Every day, oh, I got to get that project done tomorrow, you know, oh boy, and then tomorrow, you know, it's like, if I'm at work, I'm at work just focusing on work. You don't um, have deadlines. I don't have deadlines, right. And then when I'm home, it's like, I can do anything, you know, mm -hmm. home projects, you know, you can play with the kids and like, you know, you never go, 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 go. Cause you're like, well, what are we going to make for dinner tonight? Oh, I can think of all kinds of crazy stuff. I got all the time. I go buy all this crazy stuff. I can do all yeah. this stuff, you know, so it's, it's kind of fun. So you have freedom. You do. I feel like it's a little bit of freedom. 
but it's you know you're scared because you don't you don't have this paycheck that you can rely on that's going to come in you know every week Mm -hmm. you have to have stockpile work and so do you have like a emergency fund that you kind of build up and then keep in the reserve is that how you maybe give yourself peace of mind or yeah you know what i mean i'm probably not the best with with (laughs) finances at all but you know i just know that it's worked you know that that what i do works for me you know and and like i said i i I don't stick to any kind of budgets or weird things like that. You know, a credit card, like I'll buy stuff, you pay it off. Like, I don't, I don't know. Is there another way you're supposed to do that? Just rack it all up and then never pay it off? Like, <laughs> no, I don't know. I don't so, think so it's like, right. So I'd like, I don't know. I feel like maybe I take more of a common sense financial route where I'm just like, well, make a lot of money and don't spend a lot of money. Like, like try to live frugally, but like you need something, you can buy it, you know, and, always try to pay cash or something you know so yeah do you have do you set up your own 401k yep yep since yep. yourself set up all that and uh just hope for the best you know uh you, you never know with uh, with investing and just keep sucking money away and keep working you know yeah yeah are there any books kind of here at a closing are there any books that you would recommend um, that you love yeah um you know, I, I do love reading and I get stumped a lot of people when they're like, oh, it's the last book you read. And it's like, I, I can never remember. But uh, growing up, like I always read books and my little girls, they read books. We read books every night, you know, like big readers. Uh, but I had this book stuck in my head. It's not even like a, more of a design book. And it is mm. so fascinating. I love this book so much. Hang on a second. It is called, oh my gosh, I can see the guy's initials. So good. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. I feel like I got to look it up quick on my phone. It's, um, you could do that. Go yeah, ahead. yeah. And then I want you to tell me one more story. This design guy is so amazing. And I don't know. I, I like to be creative. Well, you're, uh, you're professionally trained in design. I should know. Yeah. Yeah. Helped you get that. Yes. And, and I <laughs> love that. this. This guy is like, um, I know you're into photography. You've kept that love. Oh, we had a great conversation on the way up the, the mountain about your new camera. Yes, yes, the 35-millimeter panoramic. It's so, so, so amazing. Um, it's 35-millimeter, um, two frames for every shot, uh, and it's a swing lens. Analog. Analog. Yeah, it's so not digital. Great. Not digital. Hang on a second. I'm looking at this book. It's going to come up here. There it is. Okay. This book is so great. I love this book. And I don't even remember oh, how I even it? found it? it. It's called the suspense. Um, it's called Aaron James Draplin, okay? And he's a, a graphic artist. Yeah. And it's called Draplin Design Company, pretty much everything. And if you get this book, hardcover book, so awesome. I mean, I thumb through this book so much and, and look at these designs and you get I get so creative like making things and like the process design of this stuff. Is it more of a process book or no, more no, of no, no, a no. case so, study so, book? So this guy he made, um, I think it was like in the early 90s, he made almost all these early skateboarding graphics, snowboarding, sort of, so that culture. And brands you'd recognize, I mean, he's worked for Nike, but the, the art is just so cool. I mean, he Ooh. makes this stuff with, you know, it was like old school, like pen and, and paper, but these are like little... It's uh, like a collage or yeah, a weaving? Yeah, yeah you got to see the book. It's so cool. And like each page is like so many cool like stories about how he got all this stuff and I mean posters he makes 
t-shirts and stickers and swag. I mean, like, so like coming from like the skateboard thing and the, and the book is so great. Here's the, here's the, here's a bunch of logos that he made. So you'll oh, see neat. stuff that you'll recognize, yeah, yeah. but the book, the hardcover, this is all raised, you know, so you can feel oh, it. You cool. can feel embossed. it. Embossed. Yeah. Ah. Uh, but like these brands and you look through these brands and you, there's a great story behind all these brands. And like the one story, I'll just, I, I'm going to chop it all up. But basically he got a call from who's the eighties director of the movies, John Hughes. Mm. And John Hughes had a farm and he, he said, I got this call from John Hughes and he was like, okay, great. Yeah. I do this farm thing. And like, of course, if you're calling this guy, I'm sure this guy's very expensive. And he's like, this guy's a farm. He wants me to do a farm logo. Okay, great. Like not, not out of the craziness, but okay. And then he's like, are you the, the Hughes? And like, yeah, yeah. And he was like, this is unbelievable. Like he had no idea until like he met him in person, like the first time, like he was, uh, <laughs> you know, this eighties icon director and like, it was so wild, but you got to read the book. It, it, it's, and it shows like the process of how someone shows up and they're like, Hey man, I want this logo. And he's like, okay. And talking through it, listening to what you're talking about, sketching things out on his little sketch pad, makes his little notes. And it's so cool to see like, wow, that was written on me like a napkin and it evolved and evolved. And he shows you all the processes. And he uses um, Illustrator and everything yeah. and shows you all the steps that like, okay, then they didn't like this. And here I took all the time to make this cool logo for NASA and they didn't like it. You know, like, like it, it's this whole process of like, man, a lot of money was spent to get nowhere and throw it away. And like you see so many of these brands and I don't know, maybe it just tied into me because the, I, I love that culture, you know, the surf skateboarding, the California, like it's so cool. And here this guy makes all these logos and um, he does speeches and like little tours and all the whole jazz. And it's a cool book. It's a cool, big, large, you know, I guess, nice. car, uh, coffee table book. But uh, my little girls, they flip through it, too, because there's this, I mean, the, it's bright. It's colorful. The, the pictures are amazing. I'm going to have to check that but out. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And I'll put it in the link, too. Yeah. Definitely yeah. put all that in the link. Very cool. Do you want to hit us with one more story? Um, yeah, let me try to think of something. Uh, uh, let me try to think of something good. You know, you were talking about being in Africa. Yeah. And you're saying that you were there for like 30 days. Yes, and then yeah. you went to Brazil. Mm -hmm. And then you were working on filming, digging water wells in yes, Africa. Yeah, documentary, yeah. Documentary. And, um, that sounds like a, um, almost like a, uh, what do you call it? Not an entrepreneur, but really giving back. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, like it was very eye-opening because, you know, I was there for 30 days. So you were there for a very long time to be like get into the culture of everything. And like when I first got the call, I remember, like, it, what was so weird about getting that call was uh, it was one of the first places, like, out of the country that I traveled to. And on a whim, I was just sitting at home one day, and I was like, you know what I should get? Passport. I should get a passport. <laughs> I went down to the post office and got this passport. And literally, I think, like, 30 days later, I got a call. I was like, hey, dude, can you go to Africa for 30 days? You got wow. a passport, right? I'm like, yes, <laughs> yes I do. Yes, I have a passport. And you were like, I'll send it over to me. And, like, I remember I had like yeah, somebody scan my passport quickly because, you know, you got to get all the, got to get all these visas to travel mm. and um, inoculations. inoculations you know, yeah. And so they had to get all the paperwork like started quickly. And uh, I was like, well, yeah, I got all the stuff. But anyways, so um, it was fortuitous. Yeah. So um, I got the passport and, we, and so I was there for 30 days. And, um, you know, when somebody says Africa, like my mind. I go to giraffes and elephants and safari and land rovers and, you know, right. the outfits. And I got there and it was very dirty. We were in Malawi, Africa. So we flew from Kenya to Malawi and Malawi is Central Africa. 
and uh, it was very dirty, and I didn't see any elephants or any zebras or giraffes. And our transportation was a probably easily a ten-year-old like Rav Four that was <laughs> should have been retired. You know, those things are so everywhere. Yeah, it was so beat they, up. They don't. And die. we were so cramped with people in this car, and it was so uncomfortable. And we would drive every morning. I think it was like three hours, and like you know. I drive three hours sometimes, you know, to different shoots or whatever, you know, New York's three hours away and, you know, Philly's two hours. Not a big deal. Three hours in this, you know, rusted out, you know, RAV4 banging around. I mean, <laughs> bang, bang, bang on these roads that were like dirt and the potholes. And you would be so far into the bush. And we were deep. Again, no giraffes, no elephants, nothing. And I'm like, come on. I saw <laughs> a lot of dogs, a lot of chickens. Wild dogs. Yeah. Uh, like probably feral, you know, they're just, just somebody's dog. They eat the dogs. And, uh, and what was wild is we were driving along the road uh, early morning, you know, because it took so long to travel there and they wanted to get so much for their money. Like, we got to get up early before the sun sets because it gets dark. There's no lights. And so we were driving and uh, I see a guy alongside the road and he's holding a stick with these things on them and we're getting closer. And our bus driver, Kwame, our, our bus driver, our, our Toyota RAV4 driver, Kwame, he's like, Jeremy, he's like, right there. It's fast food. And I'm like, fast food? And there was five large field mice stuck on a stick. And that was it. And they were charred pretty black. And <laughs> that was your fast food. Like, you could eat a, you could eat a rat. And Did you like, eat one? No. I was like, <laughs> what? I mean, because we were driving by and he was like, you know, clearly. Giving the white were, guy No, but Yeah, but you were at some level. If you were stopping for the rat, like, you were. Like, that guy knew he was selling six rats today, regardless whether, you know. <laughs> Kwame stopped or somebody else stopped, but like, you know, wow. your social status, you know, I think dictated who stopped for the rat guy. But like, that was fast food. Then I was like, man, that guy caught those rats. Like, that's hard. Like, you know, he didn't put some decon down and catch these rats. It was like, he put these rats down and he caught them enough so he could, like, oh, oh. wow. Yeah. And, um, but yeah, it was wild. And you were out there so long and uh, it just to see things like, like I said, like the, the grass huts, like you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I see National Geographic in high school. This is not, they don't live like, oh, they still, wow, that's, whoa. Like they live in grass huts. Like there's, and they walk two or three miles to get a bucket of water, you know? Wow. And uh, it was a simple, quick example. I'll tell you this as well. So the water thing was, you know, put the water in your head and they carry uh, suitcases on their head, everything on your head, you know? Now, like even the luggage, the, the luggage guy I see to the, to the airplane bags on his head like three and four okay so to get the water it was and they put like a towel or sort of you know thing on your head so it's stable-ish and uh they would get a bucket of water put it on their head and walk back okay okay seems like okay that's that's fine right right there's only one way to carry like if, if somebody could only come up with a technology for them to carry more water like i don't know a stick, and then have two buckets of water. We could carry twice as much water on our trip, but they don't. And you're like, like that. This is like the level of like you can't you can't change people's ways. Like you can tell them all day long. Look, Heritage. pick up that stick, put a bucket there, put a bucket there. You have twice as water. That's half the trips you got to make today. Yeah, not gonna do it. I'm gonna put a bucket on my head, get the water. I'm gonna walk back. That's how I've done it. How grandma done it. Everyone's gonna do it. And you're just like, wow. Like you just can't like, you know, people get these grandiose ideas of like. You know, you need to change this thing. You need to teach these people new things. It's like, I don't know how you change it. I mean, like, I said this, like, immediately. I was like, why do they kind of stick with the water and the two things? They were like, I do it. Yeah. Just, they don't do it. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Well, awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah, yeah.
thanks for having me out here. It's great. All right. I want to thank you guys for listening. And this was Jeremy Stone of Enots Media, audio artist and world traveler. Oh, quick before we go, as a tag on here at the end, list a bunch of the, give me a rundown of the uh, shows you've worked on. Hit us with a whole bunch. How um, many can you list in a minute? Oh my gosh. <laughs> uh, let's see. I'll go. Uh, we did Trading Spaces. I did House Hunters, Deadliest Catch. I get all blank a lot of times ancient aliens i've done uh barnwood builders is my current show we did uh oh, the haney project let's see so so many different shows it's hard to even like comprehend sometimes where you, you think of like what are all these shows like people watch this yeah. um oh food network shows yeah the food network specials were with giada and Bobby Flay and oh, Giada's uh, my dad's yeah, favorite. I did. He's totally yeah. in love with her. <laughs> um, what's the other Funer Summer shows? Like the behind the scenes shows where they show how things are made, uh, unwrapped. You know, oh. and chefography shows with uh, you know Ina Garden and um, it's the American Diner Revival. That was Food Network. Uh, gosh, it's just like they they blur together so much. Yeah, you've done so much. That is amazing. Well, thank you for sharing everything. And we have some behind-the-scenes footage that I shot earlier of your gear and your yeah. camera stuff and how to properly wrap a wire. That was, you know, that's the silliest little thing. Yeah, it's a little tricks, that's you know. the best. Yeah. Like, I'm so stoked to know how to properly wrap a wire. Right. It's the little <laughs> things, you know. Yeah, it is. Well, thank you. Thank you. All right. Hey, I want to take just a quick second to tell you about a new offer I have. All this information that I've been gathering from 12 years plus of teaching, plus all these interviews with amazing guests, I've summarized in the seven-step system, the appeals system for building a business in the art and making your artwork appeal. So whether you're a photographer, a designer, an illustrator, a graphic designer, whatever your specialty is, we've got something for you. It's a new online class. It's the seven-step system for making your artwork appeal. I'm going to teach you all these amazing things, summarize them all in one place, and give you a system so that you can build a business in the arts. And for a limited time, we have five bonuses thrown in for free, as well as I'm offering lifetime access to this course for all these foundational members. So if you're interested in an online class that you can take in the comfort of your home, that you have lifetime access to as it grows and develops and we get even more information, you'll have lifetime access to it for an amazing price of just $197. Go check out theartistappeals.com. Well, that's it for The Artist Appeals. I hope you've enjoyed it as much as I've enjoyed recording it. I just love talking with all these artists and business people. It's phenomenal and I've learned so much. I hope you've learned something too. You can get more information. You can check out some of the links that we talked about in these podcasts at theartistappeals.com. That's theartistappeals.com. Thanks and have a good one.